You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. So we are uh, wrapping up this series that we've been doing for the month of June. And I hope your summer is off to a fun start. We've been talking about fun and following Jesus. And, and I hope that the takeaway for all of us in, in this is that um, joy and laughter and fun and celebration is a gift from God. It is a gift from God, and all of his gifts are good, and they are to be embraced and celebrated, that, that laughter and fun uh, actually are good medicine, uh, as the proverb says. They're good for us body, mind, and spirit, that when Jesus was here on earth, he was not this, this stoic figure uh, that was just, that was, you know, aloof and distant, but he loved parties. He loved engaging with people. Uh, he was a person who embodied the joy of the kingdom. And, and being followers of Jesus, that is to be our model, our lifestyle, that we are to be people of joy, experiencing the kingdom of God uh, for ourselves, the joy of the kingdom, and sharing that joy with others. Uh, Part of that is not taking ourselves too seriously, as I talked about last week, and, and having childlike wonder. One of the cool stories that Mary Margaret told me from Storm this past week, on Thursday, uh, our V Kids went over to our giving farm across the street. If you haven't had a chance to go over there, you should check it out. It is quite a, a, a wonderful setup. They uh, joined with some of the volunteers from the giving farm to harvest more than 50 pounds of fresh produce for our storehouse. Isn't that awesome? Uh, and so one of the cool things she said, though, was just so funny. These, you know, these second through fifth graders are around the area where there are potatoes, and they're harvesting potatoes. Okay, you think, okay, there's, there's dirt, there's potatoes. But Mary Margaret's like, she goes, they started digging, and one of the kids found a big potato, and he lifted it up like, you know, like a Lion King, and they all screamed and celebrated the wonder of the potato. Yes. Mary Margaret asked, uh, asked uh, Elliot, the guy who leads our, our giving farm, he's like, I bet your adult volunteers don't do that when they harvest. <laughs> that childlike wonder that, you know, wow. And from that point forward, every time of the 20 pounds of potatoes that were lifted up, there was a shout of celebration. That is the kind of childlike wonder that I pray that God would restore uh, in, in all of us. You know, in, in music in comedy and in all of life. Timing is everything. Timing is really everything. And this morning, we're going to see how it plays out in a, an incredibly unusual story that we find in the Gospel of Matthew, and we find only in the Gospel of Matthew. It's, it's Matthew 17. It is where Jesus tells Peter where he can find money for the temple tax. Uh, it, it's this short little story that we're going to take a look at. And, you know, the dad joke uh, gift that I have, I wanted to call this sermon, look a gift fish in the mouth, but I didn't. Yeah, you got that. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate that over there. Thank you, Leah. I appreciate that. Let's read together. Matthew 17. This is a story. It says, after Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? And Peter replied, yes, he does. Now I said, what's the temple tax? The temple tax was required of all Jewish adult men. It was sort of like a, uh, an HOA, uh, just a maintenance fee for being part of the temple. And it was used to pay for upkeep and, and just general maintenance. 
And when Peter came into the house after he had had this interaction with this man, Jesus was the first to speak. And Jesus says, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? And Peter answered, from others. And Jesus said to him, then the children are exempt. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and for yours. So this provision that God gives uh, through Jesus in this very unusual way, a very surprising way, Now, as I mentioned, this account is only found in the Gospel of Matthew, and it might be because, um, you know, the whole issue of the temple is probably only really relevant uh, for the the Jews, and that was uh, Matthew's primary audience. It may also be because Matthew was a tax collector. So maybe he's pretty keen on, on bringing up these kind of things. It's, it's, a, it's an odd little story. It's sort of strange. Uh, the temple tax in and of itself, it was not a big amount of money. So really, Jesus probably could have just gone to you know, their common purse and got uh, the money needed for that. Uh, and as we look at the conversation that Jesus has with Peter, we see that money really wasn't the focus. It really was more about who Jesus was and who uh, he was in relation to God, and who the disciples are in relation to Jesus and his relationship to God, as, as we sang this morning, as sons and daughters. Now, if you back up in Matthew 17, uh, you will see that earlier in this chapter is that event where Jesus takes uh, Peter, James, and John and takes them up on the mountain, and he's transfigured before their eyes. And it's this glorious account uh, where he is just made to, I mean, his, his whole being is just transfigured. And the voice of God speaks that this is my son in whom I love and in him I delight. And so you, you have that happening earlier in this chapter, a pretty big milestone event. And then they come off the mountain and Jesus is confronted by this, this family whose, whose son is demonized. And, and the other disciples had not been able to, to minister effectively to, to this, this child. And Jesus uh, sets this young boy free from the, the demonic uh, oppression that he's experiencing. And then we find Jesus speaking about his upcoming death. So an odd series of events that leads up to this uh, little strange and bizarre little story. And in Jesus and Peter's conversation, we see that the focus is more about, again, status as God's children than about money to pay a temple tax. And let's begin with that, because in Jesus, we are children of the King. Children of the King. In their conversation, Jesus was contrasting uh, the, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. And in the kingdom of God, God is king. And, and, and Jesus' disciples are, are God's son through him. Uh, Jesus is the son of God. 
And so he's recognizing, he's proclaiming that I am God. I am here to reveal the Father. He's been doing that throughout his public ministry. Uh, We see the evidence of that in his transfiguration earlier in Matthew 17. We see the fruit of it in his ministry to this demonized boy. We see him speaking of the cross that he has to go to bear uh, as part of his mission here on earth that the Father had sent him to do. And so here we see that he's speaking, and in the kingdom of God, God is king, and Jesus uh, is his son, and Jesus' disciples are God's son. And therefore, they had the privilege of intimacy and relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And this physical, uh, this, this intimacy, this spiritual intimacy that each of the disciples are able to have and we're able to have today because of Jesus, it supersedes uh, anything that the temple stood for. Uh, remember that the temple uh, for the Jewish faith, it was the place where the Jews would go to, to worship God, to experience him. And Jesus, uh, over and over again, has said when he's been here on earth that, that, that my body is the temple. Jesus knew his mission. He knew he was the true temple and the only way to God. He knew he was the son of God. And he knew as a result of being son of the king that he was exempt from paying this this temple tax. And because his disciples were in relationship with him and saw him as the Messiah, as the king, uh, as the son of, of the king, uh, then they for, uh, therefore they received that same blessing and they also were exempt as a result of uh, the relationship they had with Jesus, the son of God. And because they were adopted by the king, they had full rights. Uh, that was their privilege. The Apostle Paul writes about this this privilege of adoption, of spiritual adoption, and he writes this to the church at Galatia. He said, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave but you are God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir and you get full provision of being an heir of God. Uh, So therefore we are children of God. We do not have to have slave status. We don't have to have lesser status. So we are exempt from from that, that temple tax, if you will. We're exempt from that. And and Jesus is, he's saying that. He's explaining this uh, to Peter. So Jesus is telling Peter, as a child of the king, you're exempt from this tax. So you ask, well, if that's the case, why does Jesus then send Peter out to go fishing to, to reel in this particular fish to open its mouth and to find a coin that would pay the exact amount of the temple tax for both him and for Jesus. It's because of this. Jesus, he's perfect. He's perfect in every way. He's perfect in his divinity. He is perfect in his his humanity. He is also perfect in his timing. I want you to remember that earlier in the chapter, again, Jesus was transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John on top of the mountain where they heard uh, God declare his love and delight in his son. And then if you were to take uh, your Bible and look just a few chapters ahead in the gospel of Matthew, you would find that Jesus is at the same temple and he is creating quite a ruckus. 
The same temple that was uh, led by people who did not have the heart of God, people that Jesus even called thieves. Uh, and, and he said, this is, and if you read on in Matthew 21, you see he goes and he turns over the table of the money changers and he drives them out. And it's the same temple that he's paying a temple tax to here. So it's like, why did he have this response here? And then later in Matthew 21, we see him turning over, over tables. You know, ultimately it's this. Jesus, throughout his ministry, only did what the Father was doing. Over and over again throughout his ministry, we see him, I'm only doing what the Father was doing. So why did, why did Jesus decide in, in here in, in Matthew 17 when he's confronted about the, the temple tax? Why did he choose to pay it? I mean, the temple was corrupted with all kind of religious leaders who were, who were power hungry. They were more concerned with, with control and keeping certain people out rather than letting the, the temple function as the house of prayer and worship that, that God designed it to be and called it to be. They were keeping people out, and, and we see Jesus' reaction and his response to that later in Matthew 21. But why here did Jesus choose to, to pay this tax? It wasn't, again, a lot of money, but in Jesus' wisdom and his discernment, he decided, as, as Matthew put, not to cause offense and simply to, to pay it. But he did it in an incredibly memorable way, didn't he? I mean, he just didn't reach in his pocket or, 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 or get you know, Judas, who handled some of the money, to just, hey, give me, give me the, the, the four drachma for this. No, he did it in an incredibly humorous, odd, uh, very uncanny way that was unforgettable for sure. That was unforgettable. Why do, you, why do you think he did that? He said not to cause offense because there were those. Um, have you ever been, have you ever been on, on a phone call with customer service and you were dealing with some corporate policy that really ticks you off? You hate it. And you really want to give the person on the other end of the line uh, an ear's worth. And you realize they have absolutely nothing to do with setting that corporate policy. You ever, you know, and so hopefully the Holy Spirit checks your spirit. It's like, you know, don't go off on them because they had nothing to do with this. They're just reinforcing and carrying out, you know, some bureaucratic rule somewhere else. Maybe that was Jesus' mindset here. Maybe that's what he was thinking in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do this. They didn't recognize his kingship. This person didn't recognize his kingship. Uh, and, and so he's choosing in this moment not to, to confront this person. I think bigger picture for us, and how can this apply to us today? I think it's important for us to recognize that as we deal with the kingdom of this world and stuff that's going on in our culture, in our society, things that we know are against the grain of the kingdom of God, we need to stop and ask, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? What are you saying? What is my right response to your heart in this moment, in this time? Because way too often, we just react. We just react out of our flesh, our flesh that gets angry, our flesh that gets frustrated, our flesh that just, you know, we're like, this is wrong, and I'm coming as an instrument of God's justice, darn it, and I'm going to have my way and my anger and my frustration. And that does not, that does not reflect the heart of God. That doesn't reflect the heart of God. 
Now we see him in just a few chapters. We see Jesus going into the same temple, turning over the tables, driving out the money changers. Apparently that's what God was doing. He's listening to the voice of the Father. He's listening, doing only what the Spirit's doing. And my challenge to myself, and I want to challenge you as well, as we live in the world that we live in, with all of its craziness, with things that, are, that we see the fruit of the kingdom of darkness all around us, and as we are contending with that, let us be people who always ask, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? And what is your heart response for me in this moment, in this situation? Let us not be presumptuous. Let us not just react out of our anger or, or the latest blog that we've read you know, from someone that, that who knows what their relationship with God is. It's, it is making sure that the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our lives and in our response. And so uh, as, as I read that this week, I'm just thinking, you know, God, I know that so often I just want to react. I just want to respond in anger and frustration to things of the kingdom of this world. And in, in some respects, uh, people might say I would be right in doing so, but ultimately it's, God, what are you doing and what is your heart? How should I respond in this moment? And as Jesus spent time alone with the Father, he waited and he listened and he responded in the way that, that he heard the Father leading him and guiding him. And we need to do the same thing. We need to be people who pray and who wait and who respond to what God's doing and what he's calling us to do in in these moments, Uh, even as we confront the kingdom of darkness around us, just as Jesus was confronting the kingdom of darkness that had had become ingrained into the temple system. So I want to give just one last takeaway from this, and, and it's this, the reminder that the king, he fully provides... He fully provides for the needs of his children as we respond in obedience. He did this. As I'm reading this, I just was struck with the fact that he fully provided for the, the temple tax. Yeah, it was only four drachma, but there was a full provision that he made possible in the mouth of this fish, paying his tax, paying Peter's tax. It was fully paid for. And this story, I believe, foreshadows the full payment that Jesus made for all of humanity on the cross, paying my debt of sin, paying your debt of sin, uh, the sin of all humanity was paid in full. Nothing, nothing lacking. All sufficient sacrifice, our debt of sin paid once and for all. And although Jesus supplied the tax money and he told him where to go to find it, also remember that Peter had to act on that directive, didn't he? He had to go get it. He had to go and obey and do what Jesus was instructing him to do. And and ultimately, that's a reminder for all of us as as we look to God to be our provider, who he is. He is our provider. But it requires us to, to respond to his directions, to his guidance, to his leading. Now, I would ask you this. What is God calling you to in the area of obedience. What does obedience to God look like in your life today? Not two weeks ago, not two years ago, but today we need to be asking God, what is, what is your call of obedience? What does that look like in my life today? And it requires that time of just spending time alone with the Lord. 
not being presumptuous, not, not, not acting on directives that were given three weeks ago, but, but God, what are you doing today? Help me to tune in to your voice today. Help me to see what you're doing today. Help me to be responsive to what you're doing today. As I reflected on this passage this week, I kept being drawn to the idea of the full payment and, and pointing to the full payment again that Jesus would make. And, and I kept getting this picture of fullness. And this morning, as, as I wrap things up, I, I, I want to just pray a prayer that Paul prays for the church at Ephesus, that they would know the fullness of God. And, and I need to know the fullness of God in, in my life. I need to know the fullness of God's love as his son. You need to know the fullness of God's love as his son or as his daughter his love that reaches to the highest place and the breadth of our life and goes to the deepest, darkest places of our lives. We need to live in the fullness of that, his love that lacks for nothing. And I just want to pray this prayer for us in Ephesians 3 this morning. And and some of you, uh, we're going to have the text uh, of this prayer that you can find in Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 14. The screen, uh, the text is going to be on the screen. Some of you might be able to focus more if you just close your eyes and and just listen as I, I pray this prayer that Paul first prayed for the church at Ephesus. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, that you may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can all ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence. We invite you, Lord, to come and... Or just to pour out your love right now. Your invitation is for, for all of us. Jesus, you came to make it possible for all of us to be sons and daughters of the King. The amazing gift of salvation. That your life, your death, your resurrection paid for in full on the cross. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for this gift that we have to only receive in faith. We receive your love, God. And Lord, right now, I just pray that the fullness of your love would just be poured out upon this this group of people that you love. Those joining us in this room, those joining us online, come Holy Spirit, pour out the fullness of your love. More, Lord, just more. Silence the voice of the enemy that speaks lies, that speaks of our unworthiness. Thank you, Jesus, for making us worthy.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love that sets us free. Thank you for all the ways that you provide for us, ultimately, your gift of salvation that frees us to love you and to love one another. Lord, help us just to become more and more childlike in our wonder of your love and in the way we share your love with one another. We thank you, God, for the privilege of being your sons and your daughters. And God, we thank you for giving Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your obedience. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence, healing us, leading us, guiding us, transforming us, empowering us. Come, Lord, and do your good work in us, we pray. In Jesus' name.